need somebody Help Not just anybody Help You know I need someone Help When, when I was younger when So I much younger, younger than today I never, need I never needed anybody's help in any way now, But now these days are gone days And I'm gone. not so self-assured Now I find a change of mind I'll open up the doors Ayo, what's up guys? Thank you for tuning in to the seventh episode of the NBN Fantasy Football Podcast where I talk everything fantasy football to get you guys to that fantasy football championship at the end of the year. Good show for you guys today on this Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. Going to recap week six in the NFL, tell you all about what happened and then I'm going to get into how my picks from last week did, my back-of-the-mind players and comeback season players. Then I'm going to recap my teams, let you know how I did in my four regular season-long teams as well as my DraftKings DFS team. I decided to stop the cash and trash segment just because I feel like I'm just – regurgitating stats at you and you kind of know who was good who wasn't good so I'm getting rid of that segment so continuing with the trend I'm going to uh, continue with the uh, stop the cap segment and then I'm going to end the show like I usually do with my waiver pickups now known as Addies of the Week that's what I decide to call them now and that's well that's what they shall be called going forward. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So to recap week 6 in the NFL, we had a pretty hectic week, I'd say, but usually the NFL is very hectic anyway, so how hectic can it really be? But we had a couple of games where teams were leading early and once again they pulled the Falcons, but it wasn't the Falcons this time. Getting the Falcons in a little bit. But Two teams had at least 20-point leads again this week um, and eventually ended up losing the game. And it was Cincinnati, who was up 21 to nothing against Indianapolis, only to lose uh, at the end of the game. The other team was Houston against Tennessee, who lost in overtime. But uh, very... Poor performances by this team. Obviously, you can tell that once you have a lead, you were no one's safe, really. That's the way the league is now. You always got to play like your foot's on the pedal. You can never let up because you let up one second and teams flip the switch on you so quick you don't even know what happens. And that that's really what happened in Cincinnati against the Colts. They were up 21 to nothing, I believe, at some point in the second quarter. And then we thought that game was over. I bet Cincinnati thought that was that game was over. But uh, Indiana, Indianapolis was not playing well, really, at the beginning of that game. And then all of a sudden, Phil Rivers just flipped the switch and just said, screw y'all. No curse words, of course, because Phil Rivers is a saint. And he eventually led the team down the field multiple times, scoring a couple touchdowns and eventually winning the game. So, really was looking kind of crazy for Indianapolis, being like, wow, you're down at home to the Bengals, 21 to nothing, and you show no life whatsoever. I was starting to look at that game like, wow, that could be a real upset. But nevertheless, that didn't happen, and Cincinnati ended up blowing the game and losing. But with a young quarterback in Joe Burrow, uh, it's good to see him put up pretty solid numbers against a pretty decent defense uh, even though they didn't get the win it's not about this year with the Cincinnati Bengals it's just learning to get better every week and that's all you could really do hopefully um, they play better next week but uh, going into the uh, moving on to the Houston Tennessee game that was a very good game all around the board uh, even though Houston got the best of them early. 
Uh, very high-scoring game, very entertaining game. I would say probably one of the most entertaining games there was uh, in week six. Duh, week six. I just said that. Um, Derrick Henry absolutely destroyed Houston running for 200-something yards, two touchdowns. Derrick Henry just continues to dominate. But I saw a thing on Twitter either – I think it was yesterday – and it showed uh, a kind of a low-key smart play by head coach of the Titans, Mike Vrabel. So there was like three minutes left in the game. Houston had the ball. They were losing by one. I believe it was one. It was like 30-29, to 29, I think, something like that. And Vrabel sent out one of his players uh, while Houston was in the red zone. With three minutes left, he's thinking they're gonna score. They're probably gonna score anyway. So let me send out one of my players. Get a too many men on the field call that stops the clock, and then either the next player to Houston scores, and they're up thirty six, I believe thirty six. Yeah, that would make sense. Thirty six to thirty, or. Something like that. I don't remember. Maybe they went for two. I don't I don't exactly remember. Um so that stops the clock. They score and then Houston uh Tennessee gets the ball back without wasting a timeout and go drives down the field, two minute drills, ties the game, and then eventually wins it in overtime. So uh that's something you don't really see very much. That's some pretty creative thinking creative coaching from Mike Rabel, and that's actually a really, really interesting thing that he did. It could have really costed him the game if his team didn't uh, complete the two-minute drill at the end and uh, tie the game. That would have been severely devastating, and it probably would be questioned much differently than it is now. It would have probably been like, what the heck are you doing compared to, wow, that was actually a really great move. That's how the NFL is. How all sports is. You make one move. If it works, it looks like you're a genius. If it doesn't work, you're an idiot. That's how it is. Anyway, moving on. Uh, The Falcons this week did not Falcon. They actually handled Minnesota very well uh, in Minnesota after they fired their head coach, Dan Quinn, last week. Like I mentioned earlier, I thought maybe the Falcons could pull off uh, what the Texans did. Uh, Different voice in the room, or a different main voice in the room, I guess you could say, would uh, spark the team in a different way that the original coach didn't do. And apparently that worked. And Atlanta just absolutely hammered Minnesota. Wasn't ever really that close. And... Maybe Atlanta can start getting something going here. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is the uh, the thing with Josh Allen. Um, starting to question Josh Allen a little bit after the last couple games he's had. He hasn't really looked that good. Um, he started off really hot. Uh, he started off so hot that he had uh, talks of Maybe he's the MVP of the league. He started off the first four games with like 12, 13 touchdowns or something like that and very minimal turnovers. I think he threw like one or two picks in the first four games. But ever since uh, week four, um, that offense hasn't looked good. And granted, they've played pretty decent teams. um, But... Then again, they've played the Rams, and they handled the Rams pretty pretty easily. But last week on Tuesday Night Football, they st- kind of struggled on offense against the Titans, but the Titans are undefeated, so how that I, I don't really know if you can really determine if it's Allen's fault. But last uh, – not last week, but Monday against the Chiefs on – Monday night football, the first Monday night football, uh, he didn't do so well. He only threw for 120 yards or something like that. 
and uh, he's had three turnovers in the last two games uh, when when he's had a couple, like one or two, uh, like t- no, not one or two, like two or three in the last uh, in the first four games. So uh, maybe I, I'm sure Josh Allen's going to bounce back. They play the Jets this week. Um, he handled them pretty nicely in week one. So I would honestly not worry about Josh Allen this week, but maybe coming up, start to be like, hmm, maybe Josh Allen really isn't the MVP of the league. He just had a very good first four weeks. And something else that's kind of positive, I guess, moving on, something positive from the Jets, at least, I guess, from the team that brought you the butt fumble in 2012, yes, we all remember the butt fumble. Nobody can stop talking about that. The Jets got a butt interception. Marcus May picked off uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in the game Sunday versus Miami, and he caught it with his butt. So everybody's calling it the butt interception. So that's probably the only good thing that happened to the Jets on Sunday, like usual. But... That's that's it from the Jets. Don't want to talk about the Jets, but man, some, t- some a team we definitely got to talk about is the Cowboys. What is going on? That offense is nothing without Dak Prescott. And that's kind of what we should have assumed in the first place. Andy Dalton really isn't that good of a quarterback, and it shows that Cincinnati had no problem leaving him, uh, not re-signing him this offseason, and then the Cowboys re-signing him. But now, all of a sudden, people are starting to question, is Mike McCarthy really that good of a coach? Players are starting to come out uh, today and yesterday that uh, they don't coach the way they're supposed to. And, I mean, there's a ton of injuries on that team. The offensive line is horrid. The defense is probably even worse, one of the worst defenses in the league. And now they're sitting at the bottom of the NFC East in one of the worst divisions in the league. And there's no hope in sight. There's, I mean, you have an excellent, you have the best receiving core in the entire NFL, but with a horrible co co quarterback and it seems like a pretty bad head coach what are you gonna do so that's it with the Cowboys and lastly to end this recap it was reported earlier today that after the Miami Dolphins bye week this week in week seven Tua Tungavailoa the fifth overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft is named the starting quarterback of the team uh, for week eight. Um, he made it, uh, his NFL debut against the Jets on Sunday. He only threw a couple passes, but Brian Flores thinks it's probably time that, you know, it makes no sense to play Ryan Fitzpatrick when Tua is healthy. He basically knows the playbook, and he's the future of that team. So. If I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, I would be so excited because Tua was supposed to be the number one overall pick before he injured his hip, career-threatening hip injury, but seems like he's made a full recovery. He's going to be the starting quarterback now in Miami, so hashtag Tua time is officially underway in Miami. So that'll do it with the recap uh, for week six, and now I'm going to get into how my picks did for Back of the mind and comeback season. All right, so to start off, I'm going to lead off with back of the mind, and then I'll get into my comeback season picks. But, um, yeah, so I started – I probably should have started keeping track of how my picks were doing since the start of this podcast. I only thought of it last week. So ever since last week, my record is 2-1. I had five picks last week, but – Two of them didn't play, so I'm now two and one with the back of the mind picks. And so just a little refresher on who my picks were. I had Kirk Cousins, Damian Harris, Preston Williams, and Trey Burton. And let's get right into it. So I'm going to start off with Kirk Cousins. 
He went 24 for 36, 343, three interceptions, but along with three touchdowns for 23.72 points, which is a season high for Kirk Cousins this year. Um, early in the game, it started to look like that uh, Minnesota was starting to fall apart. Uh, Kurt had thrown three interceptions, and it was like really against the Falcons. You're throwing three interceptions. But then he, he came back, had a nice three-touchdown day, 300 yards plus. Uh, so it was a solid day for fantasy, but maybe not for an NFL quarterback. But – in the world of fantasy, it doesn't matter if you're a good quarterback or if you win the game. It just matters if you do good in fantasy. That's all we care about. But the next uh, player uh, that I'm going to talk about is Damian Williams. Not that, not Damian Williams. Damian Harris for the Patriots. He had six carries for 19 yards, and he added one catch for 14 for 4.3 points. Definitely not one of the good days that he had. Uh, against the uh, Denver Broncos, who are pretty good against the run. Um, but, you know, uh, the Patriots couldn't really get anything done offensively. Really, that game, they were only held to 12 points. And most of the rushing yards, the rushing game came from Cam. But, I mean, it, I, I guess it's a positive that Harris led the team in carries. But... It's starting to be quite obvious that the running back to own in this offense is James James White, uh, being that he led the team in receptions and yards on Sunday. So moving on, I have the receiver from Miami in Preston Williams, who went two for 18 with one target. One t- Wow, I can't speak. Two catches on 18 yards for one touchdown on three targets for 9.8 points. I marked this down as um, a miss or a failure or whatever you want to call it because he didn't do so well other than catching a touchdown. He had very minimal yardage, um, only two catches, not really looked that much. All of the Miami's offense came in the first half. Uh, once it was like 24 to nothing, that's what the final score was. It was 24 to nothing at half, and then nothing really happened for the rest of the game. Miami didn't really need to throw the ball more than they needed to because they were winning by three-plus scores. So what are you going to do? It's not completely a failure, but it's not like I definitely hit on that player either. So... The final player I have for back of the mind is Trey Burton, who actually really did have a good game, like I called it, but he did it in somewhat of an unorthodox way. He had four catches on five targets for 58 yards and a touchdown, and he added a one-yard touchdown rushing touchdown, which gave him an extra 6.1 points, and he finished with 21.9 points. So I was predicting a nice day from Trey Burton, especially with Mo Ali Cox out. But um, it was interesting because Jack Doyle also caught a touchdown that game. And last week I t- told you guys that Jack Doyle stinks, and he still does. He's a vulture in fantasy, especially for Trey Burton and T.Y. and Jonathan Taylor and anyone else you have in the Colts offense. But... Uh, back of the mind wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, but this week I went two and two, and I have a record of four and three overall. I I base my record on just like if it makes sense that he, they did pretty well, then I just I count it as doing well. So that'll do it. That uh, my comeback season picks. Um, ever since I was keeping track last week, I'm two and two. And this week, I definitely did a lot better. I had Matt Ryan, James Robinson, Justin Jefferson, and George Kittle. Uh, so we'll start off with the analysis for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan went 30 for 40, 371 yards passing, uh, four touchdowns, no turnovers, and he had four rushing attempts for eight yards, totaling 31.64 points. 
which also is a season high for Matt Ryan. Great comeback game uh, against Minnesota, like I explained earlier. But uh, I I also had James Robinson on this list from Jacksonville, the running back. He didn't have a good day as a running back, but that, again, it doesn't really matter in fantasy as long as you do good in fantasy. I don't really care what else you do in the NFL. He had 12 rushes for 29 yards and added four catches for 24 yards and a touchdown, totaling 15.3 points. James Robinson can definitely be described as one of the most surprising players, an undrafted free agent uh, for Jacksonville, named the starting running back uh, after Fournette was released. And uh, a couple under guys got injured, and now he's a top 10 running back in the NFL, which is kind of crazy. But nevertheless, he definitely came back this week. Uh, the wide receiver I had was Justin Jefferson from Minnesota. He went off this game, and a little bit was in garbage time, but nonetheless, he still went off. He had nine catches on 11 targets for 166 yards and two touchdowns, totaling 39.6 points, which was a season high for Justin Jefferson. I've already predicted three season highs out of eight players. Pretty good, not going to lie. So uh, you can kind of make the argument that Justin Jefferson is – Who's going to finish as a better fantasy receiver, him or Thielen? Uh, Both of them are just super consistent producers in this offense, no matter what the score is in the game, because usually Minnesota is going to be losing, so they're going to pass the ball a lot, and most likely it's going to either go in Thielen's hands or Justin Jefferson's hands, and it's good to see because Justin Jefferson's looking like a real star in this league. A great replacement for Stefan Diggs, who is really doing his own thing in Buffalo. But nevertheless, the tight end I have on this list is George Kittle, who had seven catches for on 10 targets for 109 yards and a touchdown, uh, totaling 23.9 points. Really wasn't surprising that Kittle also went off uh, this game. He... He was due for a bounce back. You really never see George Kittle do pretty poorly. And something I saw that was crazy, and I'm just going to base it off. I think it's mostly just all leagues in general. He missed two weeks. He's only played four games, and he's the number two tight end in fantasy. How cra- I think that's just insane. But that's how good George Kittle is, which is good for him. So... In the comeback season, I went 4-0, and and total, I am 6-2. and So that'll do it for the back of the mind and comeback season. And next, I'm going to get into my season-long teams and how I did in DFS. All right, so there's a reason I call myself the amateur expert because while I am an expert, an expert in fantasy football, I've been playing for at least 12 years now and I'm not getting paid therefore I am uh, an amateur I'm not doing this as my real profession I'm just doing this as a hobby I am an amateur I am very known for me personally I think I'm very known for overthinking things when it comes to fantasy I did not play it safe this week and it cost me so badly, I'm, I just can't stop thinking about it. So I'll get into that. I went into, I went, I had, I had four teams this week. I went three and one. And the one loss that I had was in my CBS league. And this is the league that I started off three and oh, lost the last three games. And this week I really could have avoided it, but I'm just such an idiot. So I was screwed with bye weeks this week. I had Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Russell Wilson, and um, who else was on bye? Oh, I didn't have anyone else on bye, but I had um, Noah Fant, who was hurt. And um, so I needed to play. I needed a new tight end. I needed two new receivers, 
I needed a and I needed a quarterback. But my backup quarterback that I had this week was Jimmy Garoppolo. And I said, you know what? Screw it. Jimmy didn't have a good week this week, week six, or week five, um, when he was playing on the bum ankle against Miami. And then he's playing the Rams. The Rams have a really good defense. And I said, you know what? Jimmy G's not going to do that well. So I dropped him and picked up Drew Locke. And did it cost me more than ever? Because had I played Garoppolo instead of Drew Locke, I would have won. Um, and I, I, I'm just, man, I got to take it easy. I got to play simple. Um, I didn't really have anyone that went off. Of course, I, play, I, I played against the guy that had freaking Julio Jones. And the Steelers' defense. And Ronald Jones, who went off a little bit. <sighs> Man, is it frustrating. I could have beaten this guy, too, because none of my players really went off except for Burton and the Bucks' defense. I got lucky with the Bucks' defense on that pick six. Because Gurley didn't really do anything. I played Preston Williams because I was down a receiver. He only got a touchdown. Um, Antonio Gibson, who I thought would absolutely dominate the Giants, isn't doing anything. And now he's starting to get his playing time cut in by stinking J.D. McKissick, the scrub loser from Minnesota, who's now all of a sudden involved in the passing game. Stinking Gibson. And then I had Debo sitting on my bench. But I wasn't planning on playing Debo Samuel anyway, but... Whatever. You know it's bad when your kicker is like the third scoring, the third highest scoring player on your team. But Young Way Koo is the boy. That dude is a legend. I dropped, I had Ricardo Blankenship uh, the one week he missed, and then I dropped him for Young Hoku. That's how much Young Hoku is a goat. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm. And and with the CBS League, it doesn't seem to really get easier because I play my dad again. And he has Kamara coming back. He has Henry. And, I mean, I have Jonathan Taylor on bye, and that's really the only biggest thing. Um, I'm going to drop Preston Williams because I just can't. I don't really care. I just needed him for this week. I have enough wide receiver depth now um, because of Allen going on by, Michael Thomas going on by, and those guys should be back for this weekend. But um, I'm kind of screwed going forward with these bye weeks. I really need to just – I need a win here. Or I am – it's not that I'm done, but it's it won't look good. But I guess on a more positive note, I'll get into all the teams I – that one um one of my teams is now undefeated i don't think i've ever been undefeated through what is it six weeks but this team is actually really freaking good i i'm kind of surprised how how good this team is and in a way i kind of got lucky because i'm playing a guy that doesn't really pay attention to his team he had Breeze, Waller, and Will Lutz in his lineup. Um, but, I mean, if he had competent players, he probably would have beaten me because he only I only won by 15. Um, even though I had Kittle in my lineup, I had Kyler Murray in my lineup, uh, Devontae Adams under report, underperformed, Hopkins underperformed, Antonio Gibson underperformed. But I really only needed him for this week. And besides, my wide receiver depth is just insane because my fourth wide receiver on my team is DJ Chark. My fifth and sixth are Marquise Brown and Edelman. So in that league, I'm fine. In another league with eight teams and the weird two quarterbacks and a lot of yards, um, 
the performance from Deshaun Watson really saved me here. Um, it's funny because I traded, I made a trade this week um, just to get rid of Odell and to get Christian McCaffrey. So I traded um, Odell, Derrick Henry, and DJ Shark for uh, Christian McCaffrey, and I just said screw it. Um, Sammy Watkins and I just dropped him and picked up a bunch of other guys. I picked up Chase Claypool. He did pretty well for me. I picked up Gaskin. Um, Marquise Brown I picked up too. There's so much wide receiver depth in this league that I just didn't really care about giving up two great receivers. That That's my thinking. And I just, I have great receivers anyway. So it's it's fine. So... I'm 5 and 1 in that league and now I'm considered the best team in the league because I'm the only team with one win. Two of the teams in our in that league who were winless won. Um so yeah, it actually kind of helped me because I was competing with one of them for the best team in the league and now that they lost, I'm now the best team in the league. Shocker. Um and in the fourth league that I have, um, I started off 0-2, and, and ever since, I've won four games in a row. Um, I think the first two games that I lost were pretty unlucky. I only lost by either a couple of points or one of my guys got injured. That really killed me. But this team, I have insane depth. Um, I have Kenny Galladay, Robbie Anderson, Odell, uh, DK Metcalf, and Debo is my receivers, <laughs> and that's just my receivers. My running backs, too, are really sick. I have Edward Hilaire, Kamara, Le'Veon Bell, David Montgomery, Ronald Jones, James Robinson on my bench. Well, they're not on my bench, but, like, that's my depth. I think my biggest problem there is quarterback, but I am going to play Justin Herbert going forward until he proves that he can't do it anymore, so... And besides, I don't really. I just need Herbert to play pretty well because the other guys will over overachieve because that's what they usually do. I kind of got lucky in this win because um, he had Madison and Mike Evans who didn't really do anything. Cream Hunt didn't really do anything either. But yeah, so that'll do it for my fantasy recap. Like I said, I just need need to get a win in CBS League next week so badly. And, of course, it's against my dad. So that'll do it for that. And next I will be getting into the DFS team and how they did. All right, for my DFS team, uh, I mentioned the fact that I had players that I mentioned last week, but... um, I did a little tampering on Sunday before the games just to see what my dad thought of my lineups Um, because he's been doing DFS for years now, and this is really my first time doing it. Um, But I got a little unlucky, Um, and besides, I wasn't even close to winning any kind of money. I was kind of just more worried about um, practicing and seeing what I could do um, but I mean, in a tournament with 190,000 entries, I came in 84,000th. So finished in the bottom, the top half of the tournament, I guess for my first time, that's pretty good. But I also did get really unlucky with, um, Johnu Smith's injury, uh, so I mentioned the I'll I'll list my team that I had on that I mentioned in the last podcast. Uh, not much really changed. I just changed. Oh, I just changed one player. Oh, I didn't even. I thought it was more changes than that. Anyway, so I had. Um, Instead of Preston Williams, I had on Sunday, or on the last podcast that I made, I switched to Randall Cobb. And, I mean, 
he didn't he he did better than Preston Williams, but I mean it wouldn't really have done any different if I had Preston or Cobb in there. But Tannehill was really the only Tannehill and AJ Brown were really the only uh, good parts of my team. Madison stunk. Uh, Johnny Smith got hurt. Um, the Dolphins' defense did pretty well. Gaskin did pretty well. I had the wrong receiver for the Titans. Not the Titans, the Texans. If I had... Who was it? If I had... What's his face? Um, I think it was Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks did better than Will Fuller. It doesn't matter, but... Um, the guy who came in first in this tournament, who was absolutely insane, it was like his, it, it, it said it was his sixth, it was his sixth entry, so I put in two entries, I put two of the same entries in, uh, because if I want, if they did really well, I would have won more money, but this guy's team picked every good player with not a problem. I think it's so crazy how like all these guys pick the perfect lineup. It's just so lucky. Like this guy had every top player for the amount for the dollar amount, the salary amount that he had and this guy put in 25 cents and won 2 grand. So I just find that's crazy. He had Watson, Henry, Swift, Will Fuller, and um, A.J. Brown, Brandon Cooks, Darren Fells, Justin Jefferson, and the Steelers. Like, how? who puts Darren Fells in there? And then he goes off for 20 points. I think that's just, that's crazy how lucky this guy got. But also, it's like, he probably did so much research and just kind of, Put in, and he, I bet he put in a lot of lineups too. Um, and this one just happened to hit, but wow, that's that's wild. Only three percent of the players drafted Darren Fells for this contest, or maybe in the entire in the entire DraftKings world, I guess you can call it this. The entire site, that's wild. But good for that guy winning two grand. There's also this guy. He wants a couple hundred dollars. Um, he did pretty well. He didn't have like the top. If he didn't have the Browns defense, he would have done a lot better. But man, I th- DFS is a whole different monster because you really need to get lucky in predicting the right guys. Like predicting the right random players to go off that week like Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Swift. Like, this guy DeAndre Swift in his lineup and Darren Fells. Like, whoever would have thought those guys would go off. But he did, and he won two grand out of it. That's what I'm trying to work on doing. So, without, uh, not without further ado, I guess, that'll recap DFS. Hopefully I can just get better at this. This is the first attempt, but it doesn't matter. All right. That does it for the uh, DFS recap, and then now I'm going to get into Deuce of the Week. All right, so now Deuce of the Week. If you're new to this podcast and you're listening for this first time, I do a little segment called Deuce of the Week, which um, is classified as the best player, not the best player, the player that best exemplifies the worst performance with high expectations. So guys that are supposed to do good, and they absolutely poop the bed. That's kind of how this uh, this segment goes. And when I tell you, it's it was a bad week. It was a bad week. There were highest of highs and lowest of lows in week six. And it is really demonstrated in Deuce of the Week for week six. So I'll get right into it. I'll start off with the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Cal, uh, for Green Bay. He had six complete. He threw six for thirty, sixteen for thirty-five. Jeez, one hundred and sixty yards, zero touchdowns, two picks, and two. Of, one of them was a pick six. 
And he added two rushes for 14 yards, totaling 3.8 points. Terrible game from Aaron Rodgers. But he was playing a really good defense, so that does it with that. The next the, – the running back that I have on this list is kind of going to be assumed. I mentioned him earlier in the show uh, with my – recaps of my teams in DFS. It's Alexander Madison. He had 10 carries for 26 yards, no touchdowns, and he added one catch for four yards, totaling four points. Definitely underperformed here. The next guy I'm going to talk about is the wide receiver, and it's Mike Evans from the Buccaneers. He had one catch on two targets for 10 yards, totaling two points. I mean, Tampa Bay really didn't need to throw the ball that much, being that they were up by so much. But still, really bad performance from Mike Evans, who is really a big red zone threat. And the final guy on this list is the tight end from Miami. And it's Mike Gesicki, who did not haul in a catch. Uh, Therefore, he didn't have any yards or touchdowns. And he had two targets. Four, zero points. Uh, The two other tight ends on the Dolphins seem to got touchdowns, but not Mike Gesicki, which really unfortunate for all you Mike Gesicki owners because he was supposed to have a really good game. Playing against the Jets because everyone has a great game against the Jets. Except apparently Mike Gesicki. So the winner of Deuce of the Week for Week 6 is... Drumroll please. No shocker. Alexander Madison. After a really great game against the Seattle Seahawks in Week 5 on Sunday Night Football. Um... And especially with Dalvin Cook getting injured, we could all assume that Alexander Madison was going to have a monster day against a terrible Falcons defense. They just fired their coach. They're all in shambles. They're completely injury depleted. They have so many injuries. But the Falcons really got, uh, got, got ahead in the game really early. So they kind of had to stray away from the running game and it's not like um the running game was any effective either he only rushed for two point yards a carry which is brutally awful especially for madison but going into a bye week it's not looking good for madison especially because it's reported that dalvin cook's going to come back in week eight after the bye so it was it was a Good try for Alexander Madison and all of you guys who played him, including myself. I had him in a regular league in DFS, but oh well for Alexander Madison. We just have to hope the next guy emerges as a future, I guess, possible league winner running back that just comes out of nowhere, similarly to Madison, but actually performs. So that'll do it for Deuce of the Week. Congratulations or not congratulations to Alexander Madison for his Deuce of the Week winning performance. And with that finished, we're going to move on to Stop the Cap. Stop the Cap. (laughs) Stop the Cap right now. All righty. So for Stop the Cap, this is the segment where I – judge players based on their most recent performance that just happened out of nowhere. I determine whether it's cap, it's not going to happen again, or it's rarely going to happen, or no cap, meaning you could probably start to see performances like this going forward. So usually I have three players, and that's what I have this week. One running back, one receiver, and one tight end. So I'm going to start off with the running back. And it's someone I mentioned previously in the show. It's DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions. He had 14 carries for 116 yards and three touchdowns. And he added three catches on seven yards for totaling 27.3 points. 
And the verdict I have on this one is no cap, but I'm a little bit cautious here only because Adrian Peterson uh, is still there. Carry um, on Johnson is pretty, pretty irrelevant. He never really was any good. Um, that's why they drafted DeAndre Swift in the first place. But Adrian Peterson leads the Lions in red zone rushing attempts, meaning he's still probably the goal line running back, um, unless it's more like change of pace kind of thing, like it's a passing down. They'll have Swift in there. Swift is more of the passing down running back, um, so you could probably see more receiving touchdowns, which is a little weird that he had three rushing touchdowns, but I guess if you're going with the hot hand, that's what you do. But um, I think DeAndre Swift is interesting because, uh, like I mentioned, he's the passing running back, uh, being that he averages five targets a game. Uh, the last couple weeks, he's averaged four, four, three, five. So he's pretty consistent, ballparking at around four, four, five targets a game. But now that he was very efficient in the running game, he might see more attempts, being that Adrian Peterson is just really old. And DeAndre Swift might be the future running back of this team, and they want to get him more reps, get more comfortable with Stafford in the backfield, and so on and so forth. And it's good to note that he has a good schedule coming up. Um, the one game really is, could be a little shaky is Indianapolis, but he's got Atlanta, Indy, Minnesota, Washington, Carolina, and Houston in the next six weeks. So DeAndre Swift might be a guy um, that has a cons more consistent performance. I know he's been pretty reliable in the passing game a lot uh, the last few weeks, but uh, we might see more um, carries for him going forward. So the next guy I want to talk about is the wide receiver from the Arizona Cardinals. It's Christian Kirk. On Sunday night, he had two catches on three targets for uh, 86 yards and two touchdowns, totaling 22.6 points. And this verdict might not come as a surprise. I sense cap on this one. Uh, being that the Cowboys defense stinks. And take away one of his touchdowns that went for 80 yards. That's 15 points right there. So he would have finished with 7.6 points on one catch for 6 yards and a touchdown. So that one fluky play. I mean, it's not fluky because it's, it's really hard to go for an 80-yard touchdown especially on a deep bomb, and I have to admit it was a pretty nice catch, but the Cowboys' defense is just absolutely atrocious, and I really wouldn't expect this going forward. Um, he doesn't have the volume like he probably should, being that um, the Cardinals really don't need to throw the ball that often. Uh, that's probably why um, DeAndre Hopkins had a somewhat bad game against Dallas even though their their passing their secondary is awful the Cardinals just ran the ball on them all day Kenyon Drake had an insane day they didn't need to pass the ball at all so on the couple plays they did pass the ball Christian Kirk did pretty well and if you had Christian Kirk good for you but I can't imagine many people did being that he stinks I have beef with Christian Kirk because he's I had him last year and he absolutely was terrible, but that's whatever. That's last year. That's not this year. I don't have him this year, so screw you, Christian Kirk. All right, so the tight end I have on this list is from Tennessee. It's not Jonu Smith. It's Anthony Ferkser. Whoever would have thought I would say Anthony Ferkser's name on this podcast. This is a fancy football podcast, not a blocking tight end podcast. Anyway, he had eight catches on nine targets for 113 yards and a touchdown, totaling 25.3 points. And being that the introduction I gave him, I think you can assume that this is no cap. No, I'm just kidding. It's completely cap. His role, like I mentioned, is mostly a blocking tight end. And going into next week, he's playing the Steelers. 
um, who've allowed the seventh fewest points to tight ends. And really, he only had a good week because Jonu Smith got injured. And if Jonu Smith is able to come back versus the Titans, versus the Titans, he's on the damn Titans, stupid. Um, if he's able to come back against the Steelers, then Anthony Ferkser is completely should not even be considering to be on your radar. And not to mention that Corey Davis is also returning from the COVID-19 reserve list. So Anthony Ferkser has probably seen his best days this year in fantasy, unless John Smith gets hurt all of a sudden again, which we hope that doesn't happen, but you never know. So that'll be it for stop the cap, stop the cap. And to end the show, like I usually do on Tuesday's episodes, I will be getting into the waiver pickups of the week, now known as the Addies of the Week. Okay, so to end the show, uh, the last segment of the show, I'm going to have the Addies of the Week. A um, couple guys I like on here, maybe not for this week, but maybe going forward. Uh, some guys I've mentioned before, but some guys... I've met, I have not mentioned, and so we'll get into all that right now. So start off with the quarterbacks. I have Ryan Tannehill. If you don't have Ryan Tannehill, you better be picking him up right now, even if you need him, even if you have a quarterback already like Mahomes or something or Lamar Jackson or something like that. Ryan Tannehill is a solid backup for them for a bye week. Even though he's playing the Steelers next weekend, uh, Ryan Tannehill has proven uh, that he is a very competent NFL quarterback, and he is just another reason that the Gase effect is completely a real thing. This isn't about the Jets. I know. I, I just keep doing that. I got to stop. So um, next I'm going to talk about is Justin Herbert. I've mentioned Justin Herbert before. And until Justin Herbert proves to me that he can't be a, a good fantasy quarterback anymore, I'm starting him because why not? Uh, even if I'm not starting him, if I have like a top quarterback, like I mentioned earlier with Tannehill, he's a good backup. He doesn't have a bye anymore, so you don't have to worry about that. And he's playing Jacksonville this weekend. So that that that's positive for uh, Justin Herbert. Next, I have is Teddy Bridgewater. Um, even though he really didn't have a great day last weekend, um, last Sunday, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is still a pretty solid uh, option going forward uh, in case you have like Kirk Cousins or something on by or other guys like for some reason you have Phillip Rivers. Um, he's playing against the Saints. The Saints defense hasn't really been as good as it's thought it's been, but so... Teddy Bridgewater is definitely a good option going forward. Uh, Boston Scott from the Philadelphia Eagles. Now that Miles Sanders is going to be out a week or two, Boston Scott is the next guy in line to receive most of the carries. Um, but And especially because he's playing the Giants on Thursday. He's playing on Thursday. Just make that, make that note. The Eagles are playing on Thursday against the Giants. So another eagle you should add to your lineup if you already haven't is Travis Fulgham. Man, did I hate on Travis Fulgham a couple episodes ago. I was like, who the heck is Travis Fulgham? It was the week that Chase Claypool went off. I think it was last week. Not this previous week, but the previ- the week before that. I was like, who the heck is Travis Fulgham? Travis Fulgham is proving that he is a pretty darn good fantasy receiver, even against a pretty solid matchup in the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, He's looking to be uh, Carson Wentz's favorite target now, especially since they have another injury to uh, Zach Ertz, who's going to be out about a month with a... Um, foot ankle injury but I'll get into that a little bit later um, someone else who I've talked about before is T Higgins for Cincinnati he's playing Cleveland this week which is a pretty good matchup because Cleveland secondary especially even with Denzel Ward isn't really that good 
Uh, I can expect that's going to be a high-scoring game. And T. Higgins is starting to build chemistry with Joe Burrow, getting a lot of targets and yardage and stuff like that over the last few games. Um, also, I have Preston Williams on here. He's a bye week this week. But um, one, two is now the quarterback of this team. And two, um, Devontae Parker has a groin injury, I, be- I believe. So um, if Preston, if Devontae Parker is out for any extended period of time, maybe he's questionable going into week eight, uh, Preston Williams might be someone you want to think about picking up because he'll easily be a top target for Tua along with Gesicki and I believe Isaiah Ford. I think Isaiah Ford is like the slot receiver of them. Um, another guy I have on this list is Keelan Cole. Uh, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He might be slotted in as the third receiver behind DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault, but the volume is there. He's been getting a lot of catches, a lot of targets, a lot of looks, a lot of yardage. But, I mean, he's playing the Chargers this week who have a pretty good secondary, good pass defense. Um, So maybe just pick up Keelan Cole, and DJ Chark might seem to get injured every once in a while. So Keelan Cole might be a good option going forward. Another guy I've mentioned before, pretty, pretty, not pretty something, but a lot on this podcast is Tim Patrick for Denver. Um, like I mentioned, he's had a pretty decent day against the uh, Patriots. Uh, granted, he didn't get a touchdown, but still, he had a pretty solid day overall, and he's playing Kansas City, so uh, hopefully, maybe he can like keep the same pace, keep the same amount of points, stay consistent uh, against Kansas City because that's going to be a game where Denver might be down in and they might be having to throw the ball a lot. Um, So Tim Patrick might be a good option going this week. Uh, Someone who I mentioned previously, sort of, is Dallas Goddard. Um, He's been out with some kind of injury. I believe it's also a foot-ankle injury. Um, but, uh, his three weeks on IR, uh, he's, he's completed the mandatory three weeks on IR, but, um, it's still not known if he'll play on Thursday. Um, but you know what, just add him just in case, because even if he's not able to play this week, he'll probably play next week. And, um, Dallas, not Dallas Goddard, uh, Zach Ertz will definitely be out then too. So, Dallas Goddard will be the number one tight end, but if not, uh, Richard Rodgers might get some looks, but I can't really see him being that reliable, even even against the Giants. But um, if anything, I would trust Dallas Goddard or no one, or Travis Fulgham. And the final guy who I mentioned this week, or who I've mentioned before and I apparently have a huge crush on, is Trey Burton. Like I mentioned, the Colts have a bye this week, but um, he might be starting to emerge as the number one tight end in in that offense. Even though Mo Alley-Cox is starting to come back, he'll probably be back after their bye, and Jack Doyle is just an absolute vulture, like we all know. I think I have the most beef with Jack Doyle compared to anybody else. I don't know why. It's just Jack Doyle stinks, and he steals all my tight ends touchdowns from the players on the Colts like I'd rather have a Jonathan Taylor touchdown than a Jack Doyle touchdown like that Jack Doyle just sounds annoying it's like Doyle McPoyle from Always Sunny when he tries out for the Eagles and then makes it and then breaks his leg and then he can't play for the Eagles oh Sonny if you haven't watched that show you should really check it out that that show is really funny. It's so random too, but um, so that'll do it for the Addies of the week. And now I'm going to wrap up this episode. So that'll do it for the seventh episode of the NBN Fantasy Football Podcast. Like always, if you made it this far, you listened all the way through. I really appreciate it. I thank you. Uh, might not be easy listening to this scrunchy, annoying voice. But if you manage to take my advice in any way or 
maybe start to question some things you're doing or maybe taking my advice a little bit. I really appreciate it. All I want to do is help people and uh, help people in fantasy and get better at doing this, being more comfortable, talking on the air and getting my thoughts out, being more organized and all that fun crap. But that'll do it for the seventh episode of the NBN Fantasy Football Podcast. Look for another episode coming at you on Friday where I recap Thursday Night Football and preview the week weekend ahead going into week seven uh so that'll do it from here i'm sean harrington aka the amateur expert signing off see you later have a good one taking time is over before you know you're older so sober alone look you get in my cold shoulder you crying like it's rain you causing all the pain no closure i'm colder you getting nothing joker